Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Susan Green. I'm your host, John Dewey. And this is Invasion of the Poly Snatchers. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. Purple brain. Purple brain. Purple brain. Purple brain. <laughs> it sounds so good. It sounds yeah. so good. So, all right, we've been singing about it. Now let's talk about it. Our new zombie series. We've got seemingly calling Purple Brain because yes, and tape everyone loves it. Of it's anything else, now. it's on tape. And the whole idea is we're going to talk not just about zombie movies, but we're going to get awesome guests on from all around the fucking world. And the hitch is they get to pick the movie and we have to suffer through. So uh, our first guest is going to be Don Shanahan himself. Don, the one. Don, talk to us and tell us what you've chosen for us to watch. Fellas, this is all my fault. I chose the... This is four years before Night of the Living Dead and George Romero. I went old school. This is The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. From, from 1964. <laughs> Golden age of television and movies. Yeah. So, Don, what's your relationship with this film? I saw this film um, I, I kind of on a lark where somebody's like, hey, you got to watch some Vincent Price and get a little bit better at, you know, just knowing what he's all about. And mm. um, as not being a big horror guy, like uh, I can go old school and find some old Vincent Price stuff because, you know, my first um, my first Vincent Price exposure was like Egghead and the old Batman TV show, yeah. which is great. Um, but then after that, it was like Edward Scissorhands. So someone's like, oh, you need to watch this one. And um, it was right around when. Of course, Will Smith's I Am Legend was coming out and people are like, oh, this is the third time this novel has been done. I'm like, oh, really? And Charlton Heston had the Omega Man. And then yeah. you had to go all the way back to this for Vincent Price. I'm like, I'm going to go old school and watch the Vincent Price one. And at the time, uh, and I realize this is still the case now, it's been on the public domain since 1980 where there's no copyright on this thing. And it's on YouTube, like full movie, a couple of ad breaks. And that was the way I digested it was putting it on YouTube and I didn't have to find some niche disc. I didn't have to uncover a treasure hunt to find a lost VHS tape or DVD. You could just go on YouTube and watch the whole 97 minute movie or 87 minute movie. And I, I just yeah. watched um, Body Snatchers from 1993 for an episode we uh, did on uh, our 50th episode on Body Snatchers last week. Yeah. And, um, uh, I found it on YouTube as well. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Like there's a fucking Noel was saying how weird it is now that you can just fucking find full length movies on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> it's a relatively new phenomenon because I was right. watching some of the phantasm. You know, my, my missus we're going through eighties horror and she's like, you know, I've never seen the phantasm and I couldn't find anywhere that I could stream it or something. And then I just went on YouTube and typed Yiffy. it in. And and, and uh, yeah, yeah, Yiffy's I, always very good. I I, and, do, uh, I do that too. It's wonderful. And uh, then it was Piracy just like wins. just there, just <laughs> hid, just fucking hid. It's in your blood yeah. channel and you can't help it. <laughs> we are we are greedy americans we will steal everything no, for free. no it's, it's your right. irish blood it's your irish blood it too yeah, yeah. Limerick, Real the Limerick, yeah. The Limerick comes out yeah but no um i i realized i was doing some homework on it this weekend where um some kind of paperwork thing had this lose its rights really early on where it's been in the public domain since 1980 whereas most movies and properties it's like 70 years that until something gets you know done to the point where you have to give it up so yeah, I saw it on YouTube. Uh, loved it. Uh, I, I like Vincent Price. I like that tone uh, to where that goes. And But yeah, that's my history of it. Uh, recently, um, I had never read the original book, uh, I Am Great Legend. Book. And I that's the thing. Like once I, about a year and a half ago, I read the book, um, Same Richard Matheson. And uh, once I read that, I'm like, damn, this thing goes hard. 
Mm. Harder, way harder than Will Smith's movie does. Way harder than uh, Heston's really cheesy movie does. Yeah. And then I got to back to this one. I'm like, you know, this one of all the movies did the best job at trying to match the book, even mm. though you were never going to get as hard as the book. But yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, so. the chapter with the dog in the book is heart wrenching. Heart wrenching. Yeah, yeah. So well written. So well written. But mm-hmm. Noel, do you have any um pre-existing relationship with this franchise? Like, I know you've obviously probably seen I Am Legend, Will Smith, everyone's fucking seen it. I haven't seen Omega Man yet, but I will definitely watch it now because I'm a completionist, I can't help myself. But Noel, what's your what's your story with this book uh, movie? Have you ever seen it before? I, I never even really seen I Am Legend. I didn't hear a great thing, so I never what? felt a need to. It was one of these, yeah. I was like, it's oh, Ali, I was Ali Oop and Noel, and Noel just like walking off the court. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It just, it just never. I seen that somebody sent me a picture of the zom, uh, where at the vampire thing near the end, and I went, no, yeah. Yeah. no. There's a, there's an alternate ending on the DVD that's yeah. better than what was in the movie, and that's it goes soft. It goes really soft. So. The- yeah. yeah, no, I don't like the mushy ending. I, I, I like the, the, the one where he has the, the grenade. I prefer that one. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, go big or go home. I've actually seen the endings. You know, like, it's an old film now. Yeah. Uh, how quick the world actually moves. I've seen mm-hmm. every clip of it. I've seen the alternate endings because I've even seen lists of alternate endings that were better yeah. than the one they used and all this yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, go dark. Go dark. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, really, I really don't see the appeal of not. I mean, this film, for all its faults, went dark. It did. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was the black and white no. It was black and white. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But no, I, I heard recently they're gonna try to do an I am legend too. I'm like, oh come on. How so I don't I know. am legender. Yeah, well, it's it went... Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan together. Yeah, like so what they're gonna do, they're gonna retroactively just use the smushy ending. I, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, I guess so. Like, like whatever radio or like he survives the he survives yeah. the suicide because thing. <laughs> but that scene yeah. is so powerful. <laughs> it's like the best yeah. part of the whole fucking movie. Apart. Like the, the most heartbreaking thing about the movie is obviously when the dog, uh, the, the right. thing with the dog. And later on, that's such a powerful movie because the one thing he's clung on to throughout the entire movie is his existence. And he right. finally gives it up. That's the fucking yeah. the whole fucking thing about the movie. To take that away, just, uh, mm-hmm. just to be such a fucking lame cop out. Yeah. And then the ending in the book where it's like, no, like put on trial for all you've done. Yeah. Suicide pills are your only exit, and you're screwed. Yeah, it's I, yeah, I'm a legend. I love so that good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But um, uh, so Noel, is this your first time seeing? It? It's the first time I've ever seen it. Like, uh, I only read the book. Uh, it was recommended to me by Owen, me and uh, a friend of ours, Noel. And um, I only read the book same as you done in the past like eighteen months, give or take, because I started reading a lot heavier to try get better at writing. You know, it's me a lot. Uh, you know, it's the, uh, the one thing anyone's ever says: uh, if you want to be better at writing, you have to do a lot more reading. So like, um, that's why I kind of got into these kind of genre books. You know, there's operating the same world I am trained to. And yeah. I, when I, uh, I got this recommended to me and it's a, quite a short story, but the way yeah, it's constructed, it's so well paced and stuff like that. So like, um, what did you think of like, no, you haven't read the book, but like, do you, do you, what did you think of the, the tone and how they captured the, the adaptation from the book to the big screen for the Vincent Price movie done? Hard to say, again, without the reference of the book. So I can't unfortunately speak too much to that, but I do remember thinking that it did, focus very much so on the mundane yeah despite the fact that he was in like a lot of mortal danger he was still extremely bored even when the the first time you see the neighbor kind of guy going morgan and he's coming <laughs> over and he's ripping off the, the wood the planks that he's put on the door yeah. and he's just sitting there having a drink just kind of like mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's got the shittiest barricade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like my barricade needs to last exactly a night. And then I need to make a barricade that can last exactly a night. And that'll keep me busy. And if I, you know, I did seem to have, like, even though you're in mortal danger, boredom was the thing that seemed to be really, really getting them. That's what the same word. And especially when your life takes on less value, especially if you've lost everyone, your life would take on less value. Mm -hmm. So you'd just be sitting there kind of going, well, if this is it, this is it. Do you think it captured the stakes though? Like it didn't see. No, like, no, it didn't. It, it didn't have a it didn't have an actor with a, a wide enough repertoire. I, I think that's it true. Had the range, to, yeah. Like the capture really just the absolute. Like it's a depraved existence. Yeah, that he was living. You know, the fighting was amazing. Like, like <laughs> the way he got away. Is, no, like he just shimmied yeah. away from it's vampires. Just, yeah, it's shimmies and shoves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably. Yeah. That's probably one thing the Will Smith movie gets right. Is like you got a real. I mean, I know it's modern technology because they raise the years of what it takes place, but like yeah. that's a barricaded fortress of a setup he's got going. He still has the mundane, but you also see him just hollow. Like, like he really, like you said, with the range. Like Will Smith could just do more with acting range than Vincent Price. Where he's a great actor. He's yeah. just simply a terrific actor. Mm. Will he's, Smith is sells, a terrific actor. He sells the emotionality you need to do that. Where it's almost like Hanks on Castaway, where like you really believe he's alone and and frazzled, and not just frazzled, but like broken. Yeah, like that you believe. Um, you don't get that as much about Vincent Price. You see him more, like you said, annoyed. Like you know, like when he walks up to the lathe the first time to make another wood stake, he's like kind of half-assed, half-heartedly doing it. He's like. Mm, whatever you know like, <laughs> yeah 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 really bored with whatever he's stuck doing versus what will smith was doing it's just the the cool part about price is because he his repertoire is more of the dark stuff like when the movie has to go dark or when his feelings get a little harsher he can sell that part yeah because of his yeah, he just has that experience kind of things. yeah yeah because like that's where will smith can't like will it's like oh you can't be mad at Will Smith. You're no, such a cute no. guy. You know he he can't convincingly go dark the way Price can. But the way Vincent Price though tried to get the dog to come to him, and then oh, you know, yeah. the survivor later on, he's like, <laughs> like he's yeah. like he's lost all kind of like social skills whatsoever. Uh, like you know, <laughs> I just I, I don't know. I was just I I laughed a lot at this movie. It, it was uh, mm-hmm. one thing I, I did enjoy was uh, the difference. Uh, interpretations people have of different things like the the vampires which are almost more zombie like and this yeah, completely zombie like no increase slow yeah. no increased uh, yeah. abilities of any description i'm mm. sure a bit harder to kill or whatever but no like no increased abilities whatsoever very sluggish yeah mm. i didn't really get that you know if there's one no. thing we're to understand just say they're zombies zombies is fine zombies that can't move during the day it's fine, but, you know. But they've never had, like, like I said, this is four years before Night of the Living Dead, where this was virgin territory here, where no one had kind of ever gone this way, so methodical or otherwise. Where, and I guess Romero's been on the record to say, like, I lifted my idea of zombies a lot from this little shitty movie, and yeah, that, that doesn't surprise know? me. Yeah, yeah, because what they have, that even if they don't have intelligence or organization, what they have is relentlessness. Yeah, and yeah. numbers. And there's something True. to be said for that. There yeah, just is. Yeah. There's something to be said for an enemy that is absolutely relentless and unafraid yeah. and yeah. has numbers. It is. And the book does that better, where the original book, they do have abilities and they are 
as fast and as powerful as they look to be. And then when the, the elevated ones show up at the end, the, the, the more dominant, whatever you want to call it, uh, mutated species of half and half, like those guys are ferocious and yeah. scary as fuck in the book. Yeah. The, the, the best thing about the book and like the movie kind of touches on it, the, like even I am legend kind of touches on it a little bit too, that he in a lot of ways has become the monster. He is True. the outcast that like, yeah. In, yeah. in a way, like the, it's the old trope for all the hero of our own stories. Mm-hmm. But like in the end of the day, like when you have uh, like a rabid dog outside your house and we're all humans, like the dog doesn't mean us any harm. It's just a dog being a dog. In the end of the day, yeah. we're still going to see it in a bad way. And in the end of the day, he doesn't kind of mean him any good, bad will. But in the end of the day, he's just a human trying to survive and he's mm-hmm. trying to kill all them and shit. And we, he doesn't think to the point that there are actually still some sort of humanity left in him. Yeah, and he doesn't see himself in any other way than some sort of heroic figure. Like so, like it, that's what I love about it. That it, it kind of shows you that, like, from different aspects, that like you often just show the hero kind of thing. That it shows really that he has been killing these people indiscriminately, and there actually is still some humanity left in him, and he never gave any thought to it because he just saw them yeah. as like a virus or something, you know, that needs to be exterminated. Yeah. yeah. He was just picking them up, literally. Yeah, well, <laughs> these ones later. But now I must get gas. Unless we go into this fucking truck that, that's gas. full of gas, where one jerry can. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, pulling yeah. that up. Yeah. Which is, probably oh, like dude. two thirds of that was getting you to the fucking truck. Like right. drive the truck home or something. Yeah, exactly. oh, park, it, park yeah. it next door, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, The Walking Dead so much. Like they'd find like a, one episode to find a truck literally filled with water. And what mm-hmm. they just like take a few things and then they leave the truck on the highway. Like straight away, I'm like, let's figure out how to get this fucking truck driving. That's the only thing bigger garage. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could even live in that truck. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I, I I laugh at like they're they're still as much as they um prices voiceover and even the production value of the movie, like or the production design of the movie, like try to create this desolate, empty, and they filmed this in Italy, so it's out in Rome. Yeah. Um, they do a decent job for an old movie of like making it look really empty. Like you get highways and overpasses and the bodies in the streets. Like there's enough details to make it really look empty. And I know CGI helped Will Smith like make it empty look in New York with like lions and leaves yeah. and plants and shit. But like this movie does it kind of old school and, and practical. But um, like when you get to that, um, what, what I laugh about still is like you still have like movie shortcuts of convenience. Like I, I've never seen in my life, fellas, a mirror store. Have you? <laughs> no. You know, Sanderson's mirrors, you know, like, oh, come to, I, I need a mirror. There's yeah. a f- store with all of them for me. You yeah. know, like, that'd be yeah. such so a pain some, to ruin. Yeah. Or like three, three years later, three years later, there's existing garlic in a refrigerator. Like, it's going to make it, you know. Do you remember when he just so throws fresh. the garlic yeah. at your one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, like, some God. of that stuff is, it has its cheesiness of shortcuts, but. Yeah. For the most part, like what sells the drama and stakes for the movie, at least for this movie, is um that price voiceover really helps. Like you, you, it, it, it sets does up have so- the voice. You just have yeah. to respect the voice. It's got a very silent movie, radio drama type aspect. Or yeah, it does. Yeah, like, you know. it plays well. But you get you get the circumstances. You get the 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 the, 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 the mundanity, the routine, getting to the man. Like you see his mindset from that. I mean, and, and that, I think that helps because. One price has a great voice, like we yeah. all compliment, but he's also not the best, you know, physical actor. When, like, if you take away the voice <laughs> over this movie, you just see kind of a befuddled old man that kind of dodders around his 
fights. But the voiceover <laughs> shows the frustration of like, I smell the garlic. It's not good. I toss uh, it away. Uh, I'm here. This, my windows. Like the uh, voiceover kind of, uh, some people, I'm sure someone around is like, oh, that's over exposition. But here it helps because Price can't do the rest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You see where his wife died, and he was absolutely, completely, and totally <laughs> put out by it. <laughs> the, the inconvenience. It was just like, ah, yeah. oh, darn. Nah. Do you remember when he what realizes am I gonna do? he stays in her um, uh, mausoleum for too long? And um, is it her mausoleum or something? And in the book, that scene is so high, high oh, pretension. It's yes. fucking incredible that race against the clock, and you can feel mm-hmm. it in every fucking little word. And in this, it just it felt like it's like, oh no, I forgot to go home. It's dark. No, yeah. they'll be everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like soccer shoves of getting zombies off you. Like it's not that hard. You just gotta park the car, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that the way he just shimmies the fucking safety every yeah. single time. Like it's incredible. Yeah. But like sometimes you just kind of have to look at the like we recently we just uh, covered Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original from 1956. And um, even though all this shit looks corny and cheesy to us now, you kind of have to appreciate the era I came from and the style of oh, yeah. incorporate. And one thing I liked about this is something that Body Snatchers did was it went with that kind of noir feel. Like it's kind of corny, Definitely. but like you can understand exactly what they were going with the the kind of like um the the voiceover, I think because a lot of the times back then it was they probably had some limitations and how much they can actually record while they were doing the scenes so yeah. the voiceovers and shit like that even though they're kind of cheesy they're like <laughs> they're really necessary but as you said because of vincent price's limitations in terms of the physicality he can bring to a role the voiceovers are actually very important to this movie mm. because they gave a lot of credence or they gave a lot of um i know depth to scenes that look like an old man just doddering around a little bit looking for gas yeah. you know and like um, the scenes and choices of where he goes, like it, from the noir, like all those scenes in the church, they cast enough shadow where, like you said, like yeah. his his blackened heart and like the, the the symbolism of like just the the walk up to that church, which is a really gorgeous Catholic church in Rome, like with the steps and all that, like it, they start to cast enough shadow there in a black and white movie to to you know emulate sunset sunrise and sunset where. You still convincingly have the dark, but at the same time, the threat of not quite dark. But then, you know, the the shade and shadow of human mood is there even in those church scenes and stuff. So it's it's yeah, it is well done. It's it's not the coolest and sharpest noir thing in the world, but I appreciate that flavor there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and- same. I, I did say after watching Body Snatchers just recently, the '56 mm. one, that the '56 one did have a, like a of its time and not of its time thing, and this film more so just had an of its time thing yeah sure you bet you, you know what i mean it didn't it, and, and that's fine yeah. as well to be honest with you i don't need something to be avatar or something that no. which was extremely future thinking and even yeah. in just the way we approach technology mm. and everything has to be that and in fact to be kind of annoying if everything was yeah, it's, yeah. so it's more of a statement than a judgment call but it did feel like that kind of era where you wanted them to act in a way that it could work on a stage yes sir yeah. i always felt that you know, everyone like, you know, enter and stuff, but don't over it. Don't chew up the seat. Like, do this and do this and be kind of corny. Hit your marks. Hit yeah. your marks. Very important that you hit your marks. And this belt of that, you know, like, again, even when they're like, the zombies are attacking them. Like, we've yeah. got, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm saying zombies. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty much what they're like. I, I, kind of like no like i'm trying to eat you i, I shove simply not gonna yeah. do it buddy <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. it's like what don says like this is before george uh, george romero gave a word to it put a name on it this is before the zombie kind of entered the zeitgeist so like they, is they it? Were, so essentially this, there wasn't 
Yeah, because zombie, I think, comes from Haitian lore or something like that originally, or something uh-huh. like that. The, the, yeah. the word does, but like, uh, I, um, I just think that like it shows you one thing I love about horror and one thing I love about just storytelling in, in every sense is that the different iterations people have, and even before they knew the what a zombie was, they tried to kind of explain it by using mm-hmm. what's the closest thing you have to this is the undead, which is a vampire, and so you yeah. call it a vampire even though it's clearly got zombie characteristics, and it just it's cool to see. Like even well beyond the years of Bram Stoker, or, or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who came up with the whole Dracula lore based on Vladimir Paler and all this shit, that like in this era, that this, this is really the genesis of the zombie genre, even yeah. though it's actually a vampire movie, which is kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it's kind of it's admittedly why I picked it. I'm like, let me go old school, but then even go old schooler than Romero with this little weird little thing. And mm. it's fun to see it kind of like you can see, like you said, the the seeds being planted for what could be. And and now we're at a point where thanks to Walking Dead and a billion movie wannabes, like we're kind of zombied out 10 years later, aren't we? You know? Yeah, yeah I think even the Walking Dead now is starting to see it, even though we're going to see so many spin-offs and shit. Like, I don't know, yeah. I, I think right now. Uh, zombie movies are kind of gone, but zombie TV series are a bit more prevalent. Yeah. You know that kind like, of like long form, like you said in the other shows, like long form storytelling. You get something going, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. what Robert Kirkman always said that what fascinated him about the zombie movies was not just the movie itself, but what happened at the end of the movie. Like, what mm-hmm. is it like living in a post-apocalyptic zombie mm-hmm. world for an extended? Yeah time and telling that story and that's how the walking dead was born you know so like there is a lot of interest and things and one thing i like about this is that you can actually see the aesthetic inspiration that people took from this movie because the one thing we've seen in zombie movies throughout is bodies strewn around the place this Mm -hmm. completed societal wasteland you know what i mean yeah like all of this kind of the aesthetic appeals from this movie really bled into as you said george romero said he took inspiration from this and you can see it in like the, the original dawn of the dead and stuff like that that it's shares a lot of the same kind of dna as last yeah. night on earth you know even though it's a bit more raw could could this i know the 60s wasn't the time they were going to do this but could i am legend the book that this movie goes for this would be a great miniseries because you can spend more time in yeah. those mod- in those routines in the circumstances of it all and then still build to that really awful and <laughs> hard ending you know this yeah. would be a cool 10 episode miniseries somewhere yeah, and I think right now what you're going to see is just because of the Will Smith uh, influence yeah. and his uh, planned sequel, that's going to go a completely different way. And I think we're probably going yeah. to get further and further away from the book, unfortunately. But the thing about that is, even though it's an unfortunate thing, we might actually get to see it, even though you won't have the I Am Legend name, someone might be able to go in and actually adapt the story directly from the book and it'd be completely different from the movie. And you could just, yeah. you know, call it The Last Man on Earth again. You know what I mean? Like, you know. This Who is calls the film The Last Man on Earth when I am legend? Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Maybe the 50s break. weren't ready for it, you know. The, Probably. Because it, were, back then, I, I feel mm. like the films were very wordy sometimes, you know, yeah. in nine from outer space. It was like The Last Man on Earth. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the name Radio is supposed dramas. to tell you something. Yeah. The name is supposed to tell you something about the film. Like, it's yeah. killer this yeah. from this planet. Yeah. Uh, but like, I am Exposition legend. Exposition in the title. It's, it's, exposition yeah. in the title and i yeah. get i guess that's what it is i don't think there's a mystery mm-hmm. but yeah. i would just like go, I, I just can't believe anybody in, in the 50s wasn't cool enough to go on. i fucking love that name yeah, <laughs> yeah. i yeah. am fucking legend yeah, yeah. I, love it. I think um uh, i think another thing that happens sometimes when these things like science fiction and and stuff like this can be timeless because the circumstances are there where you can adapt it to any time but maybe because of like 
where this book, well, especially this one, in my opinion, like if you were to make it again, I know Will Smith did the modern thing. Like I would love to see this be done and then go ahead and set it in the fifties, like do mm. a period piece zombie thing where, cause today we have the shortcuts things to like zombie land where like double tap bullets to the head. Yeah. Like we, have, we all have the secret ways of beating zombies now with modern this and modern that who yeah. hasn't had the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How so, do you think you're doing a zombie apocalypse? How do you think you're doing a vampire apocalypse extremely right. badly? How well, do you think exactly. you're doing a zombie apocalypse? Well, vampire, oh, po- I, vampire apocalypse is easier a little bit though, because like you have 12 hours nearly every day. Go to Iceland or oh, somewhere yeah. where it's daytime yeah. for six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a- <laughs> but like, but this oh. is one of those. If someone were to do this again and adapt Matheson's book, um, I would love to see it be done. Period. I in period piece instead of like doing I Am Legend again. Um, I just ran into another movie that that, that kind of tried the modern thing, and I think it fell fell on his face because it did was um that new uh, erotic thriller that's out right now with Ben Affleck and Anna De Armas, uh, Deep Water. Mm. It's um it's a Patricia Highsmith book, same person who did like the talented Mr. Ripley, and it's set it was written and set in the fifties with infidelity and and murder and getting away with crimes and stuff like that, and now you know in 2012 we have all the forensics in the world where no one would get away with it <laughs> you know but back then you know there was doubt there was you know it was taboo to do the things you did whether it was the erotic stuff or the murder stuff so it would just play better then than trying to modernize it now yeah i think some films actually hamstring themselves by modernizing the stories because what yeah. made the story is so unique and uh, so cool is because of the period of time that they're crafting they're creating because all of those elements went into how the story was uh like structured or manufactured or whatever yeah. because the technology the time or whatever like as you say like you have forensic analysis and all this shit and it takes away from a story that you can really have layers and intrigue because yeah. there's a lack of technology you know i feel oh, like you know what I'm sorry this is such a stupid thing to say but i, I can't remember <laughs> Perfect. But here we go. <laughs> but, uh, but it was the Pixar film where the girl turns into a big red panda. Uh, right uh, now, turning, go, go, turning red. Turning yeah. red. Turning red. Yeah, I watched yeah. that the other night. I mean, she, now we're horror, 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 horror. Pixar's horror. amazing. So I yeah. said, I said, uh, Shalita, I said, we're, I'm, I'm, we're, I'm breaking them all here because she was a bit down in the dumps. And so was I. I said, no, we need to stop watching downer shit. I'm going to throw on something really light hard. We chew on that. And it was like, it was based in 2002. Yeah. Which not sounds... like a million, not like back in the 80s, not back in the 70s, yeah. back in the 60s, but 2002, where it's we had all of the years modern, ago, though, yes, you know? but we had all this modern stuff, the girls were like huge into their boy bands, and they were online trying to buy tickets, and all that kind of normal stuff, yeah. but just simply didn't have smartphones, and I remember mm-hmm. saying to her, you know what this is, this is just simply, what a difference. they were just sitting there going, we can't, we just, if we just could get away from that fucking thing of everybody constantly yeah. on their phone, and he goes, but like at the same time, I want all the modern trappings. I want mm-hmm. it to be like a yeah. boy band and the girls could actually buy their own tickets so they can go behind yeah. their parents back a little bit and all of this kind of stuff. And I said, well, dude, somebody just said, dude, I, I guess the sweet spot is the very early noise. I don't know what yeah. else to tell you. And then he went, all right, the early noise. And I seen it. And I remember going, that's what they did. And it made sense. Somebody did, did the did math. This. Somebody did the math recently. Like if you were to remake Dazed and Confused today, because what was that 95 uh, making fun of like 1978 or whatever it was like if yeah. you made days to confuse today about the last days of a long gone era of high school, it'd be 2004. 
I was like, Jesus, we're old. Oh, yeah, it's if 2004 is the ancient oh, past, you know. Yeah. The 90s are the 80s now. Like the 90s yeah. are the 80s. Dude, I you lived know? in Vienna in that year. Oh, I, wow. I, I I was a completely different person. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I was able to like do things like live in Vienna. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and that's um that's an extra layer you realize in turning red is like we're watching the little girl, you know, learn to be a you know a young woman and all that. And like if when you fast forward 20 years. If you were to have like a long distance modern day sequel to Turning Red, that girl's probably a mother now of her own. Like that's oh, crazy. And yet right, we're sitting yeah. here like, oh, two. Because oh, she was 13. Because I even did yeah. the math. I, I was even making so fun of 33. Yeah. yeah, she's exact. She would be the age of my of my fiance. And I'm, I'm old. I'd be older than her. Same again. age yeah. as me, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, that's same crazy. age as you. Yeah. And we're, we're so, calling that we're calling that a modern movie in O2. And you have a 10 year old, Vin? 10 year old, yeah. Yeah, yeah they hate me. So you know what I mean? It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. She's met you in fairness. But, yeah, well, yeah, uh, no, but it is. But I, I didn't say she was wrong, Noel. <laughs> I do like even time I'm watching horror films and it's always like, oh, oh, it's based in now. I said, wait for the girl to kind of go, I can't get any reception up here. It's like our own tropes now, which is crazy. Yeah, we are. We are 100% are. It's like, Noel, ah. when we did Sputnik, like uh, just to see a, a Soviet era, like fucking phenomenal film. Movie, like, you do know, recommend. Yeah, it just it shows like even if it's a modern movie, and I know this wasn't a modern movie that was made back in 1964. Like it just so like if you try to grab the era or certain eras that you can really get away from these easy outs, and like yeah. you can actually create a lot of plot devices without having to mention anything. If you just throw back in the 60s, no internet, mm-hmm. it's very easy yeah. to get isolated. That's what made Texas Chainsaw Massacre so terrifying. It was very easy to get Absolutely. lost in rural areas of America back then. You know stuff like yeah. that. Like, and that's what I loved about this movie, that like he had no technology. He couldn't really interact mm-hmm. with the outside world or find out what's going on. Did he have a radio or something? Um, he had a, like a ham radio trying to communicate with other stations. That's right. Possibly. Yeah, that was that, it. But yeah. that's it. You know, yeah. he had record player for music. Yeah. yeah. No but not even like not, soft you know, jazz. Like, he wouldn't even dead with the You could go in the book. It was like symphony music. Like he was a big composer guy. Yeah. You could go, thing. you could go like at least you, you, you could go your VHSs or your DVDs yeah. if everything went down. But like back then, you would have had absolutely yeah. nothing. As it long as been... we had electricity today, we would never be bored stuck in our own homes for a zombie apocalypse. We'd be like, Yeah, so I the lockdown all the DVD. Yeah. The lockdown yeah. proved that. Like we were never, we were kind of uh, frustrated, we were but we were never bored. Yeah. But I mean, you... yeah. but you're right. Like you're dead right. Like what if you want a movie that has descent into madness and some stakes? you do have to go older where it was harder to get by and watching rewatching last night. Like I watched it last night just to you know get back into it. It was just so much more interesting and cool. Cause you're watching it knowing, man, he's not going to get out of this without a lot of help here, a lot of help there or doing his own devices, whatever you want to call it. And I like that. It's just way more interesting that way than more oh, desperate. quick, you know, easy remote, this easy remote. That. Absolutely. Yeah. And also kind of always makes you think about how spoiled you actually are. Do you see what people will do to survive when it comes totally. to a pinch? I always feel like yeah. that's a good way of going to that um, mirror store and holding up a mirror to society. Yeah. <laughs> um, <but> like, <laughs> we, we joked off we joked off the air, like here in the American pandemic, the first thing that sold out was toilet paper. And I'm just <laughs> laughing like that's what the world's going to come to. We're not going to bite, scratch and claw for art or history or gas. We're going to bite, scratch, and claw yeah. and kill each other for fucking toilet paper. Uh, yeah, the joke I used more times Crazy. than I'm proud of was that there was an awful lot more hand sanitizer and less bullets than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, movies have brought us up on the fact that, yeah, if that ever happens, 
we're gonna have to go raid gun stores, especially yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, where the gun act, the gun epidemic here is crazy. We're like, what? Yeah, that we'd have. Man, to have you armed. heard about that? Yeah, <laughs> no, I couldn't hear anything over the sound of gunfire. Yeah. <laughs> but here we've been taught for a, a thousand years you've got to be armed to the teeth to ever survive and nope nope oh, yeah, toilet yeah, toy yeah, paper yeah. hand sanitizer we're gonna be fine you yeah, know i i was laughing because like people have running water and they're worried with toilet paper well can people not like wash their ass in the shower like Thank come you. on people, yeah come on folks yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> but poop in the shower like yeah, it's normal in the shower what yeah. <laughs> no quite yeah. the middle man just get a bigger drink <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hope you're prepared to smush that down, Noel. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, like a, a broom handle, and yeah, good. Yeah. Well, you've you've seen enough American movies where like people who walk dogs here who are picking up shit in bags and putting it in trash cans, like that's the inconvenience of the world. Is dog shit on the ground and like, yeah, yeah on, absolutely. You know? But you know, that's it. I I always said the thing that that taught me how absolutely spoiled we are, and it was always this kind of everyone has this watershed moment. And for mine, it was that I I walked, I went up to get a few beers. I said, you know what? I'll stretch my legs on a walk. And I had an iPod at the time. And I had, I think, a a huge iPod, like 150, 160 gigs, something big. And I had over 20,000 songs on it. I got to the off license, about a 15 minute walk. I hadn't listened to a song. I was looking through it, trying to pick the song. Yeah. Well, like, I used to, I'm old enough time. to remember having a, a Walkman and uh-huh. I had like three albums. Yeah, so I made it. that shit work. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I made that shit work you know. for months. Exactly. You know, the, you know, and it was like Metallica, or I'm sorry, Megadeth and Simon and Garfunkel. So we're uh-huh. talking like we just have to pick something generic and to, yeah. like, been... something and girlfriend. This this film, the guy was like his day was like I, surviving nothing no yeah. joy no fun it wasn't I, even I surviving it was existence because like he yeah. wasn't like there existence wasn't some big fight fire. to fight for you know what i mean he was no. just, he yeah. was just maintaining supplies you know like and the book i have to admit the book goes a lot farther where like it's like the generator and the gas are a big deal the yeah. the, the the food part is a the big gas. deal and they the, the the search for this and the search for that was a little more uh, involved in the book, but the movie did a nice job of like I know super convenient, but you know oil truck, but you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but for the most part, it, it made it seem pretty dire, you know, and yeah, yeah, it just yeah, the lack the intensity of the book, isn't it? That's no, the difference. The book is way scarier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, what did you? They're screaming. They're screaming his name outside of his house and <laughs> they're in their breasts. Like it was more sexualized too, as well. Yeah. So yeah, super. And I think I. Uh, isn't that in the book where the woman he takes in does come on to him a whole bunch and like super more sexualized in the book. And I know you can't get away with that in 64, but yeah. Yeah. Cause like, she's uh, pretty much an undercover agent kind of thing. Isn't it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's an infiltrator. Like, yeah. I, I, like I just, does love... the movie, does this movie sell the twist really good? Um, not as good as the book, but like, I agree. Yeah. It just, it is because I know, like, um, in the book, he he felt like he was, like, it wasn't that he was just fed up with living, that he was just done. He's just done with his existence and how, in the shape that it, it, it uh, had evolved into. That was the thing, like, he felt that in the book, whereas this, he just kind of, like, like he was like, I'm over it. And it just yeah. kind of just lacked the same intensity oh. for me. So when the realisation came on to him at the end of the book, where he realised he was the monster now mm-hmm. in this new world, like he, uh, he was holding he was the to, outlier he was the yeah new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah he he was old holding on to an old world view and that world and that world view no longer existed and he was just the remnants of a time long gone um in the way they looked at it and in the other way he looked at it is that they were pretty much the reminder of what he lost and it was like this weird 
kind of like other end of the spectrums and when that realization hits you it hits yeah. him in the book and it hits you as equally as hard when you're reading it i thought that was fucking excellently done and just maybe because of the film style and it was slightly hampered by the style that was used to brought to uh, to bring it to life that the end for me was a little bit hammy it's like no yeah, i don't yeah. know i think you said before we came on here that when he chose the fucking spear and, <laughs> and, and it's just yeah, it's like, surprise oh, holding a spear yeah oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah so it's not like as br- it's dark because this is a rare situation, especially old school movies where bad guy wins. Yeah, uh, we don't see that a lot. But at the same time, it's totally not as brutal and as as worse as it could be. Yeah. Like, because what's the the I think everyone said the the implication in this movie that seems the like the, the darkest for the bleakest for the future is the fact that there's a baby there. Like, wait, not only are the, not only there's is nothing there, to cry about anymore. Right. <laughs> but like, not only is there this race of modified superior ones, they're procreating and they're going to keep going. Like that's like, Ooh, tense. Yeah. The future. But that's as far as the movie goes for it. Whereas the book is there like, to oh, go. Yeah. The book really makes it the evilness of like, no, you're, you're the last one of this and you're you don't deserve to live like trial and crucifixion and like he's staring real inevitability in the face you know yeah, yeah. It's like it just shows yeah it, it, the book really does capture the the kind of like the defeated um defeated attitude that he kind of had like yeah. like at first it was like <clears throat> excuse me it just like first it was all about trying to cling on to uh existence and how he knew it and then it was coming to the realization that he had no he no longer had a place in this yeah. new world and that like he was the, the last man on earth he was mm-hmm. i am legend i am the last human and yeah. i just thought that was just fucking amazing to realize mm-hmm. that you are the last member of a species like what what yeah. kind of realization that would be like you know yeah. it's just yeah and i just think that the book captured that so well and mm-hmm. the the movie lacked a little bit maybe because you know vincent price for all his uh, qualities as an actor and a showman he just yeah. lacked a little bit of intensity at times in the movie and stuff we talked about when he was fighting off the vampires you're talking about this is a life and death situation like not just the life and death of your person the life and death of your fucking species yeah. and like and he like he's Steaks. like yeah exactly like exactly and he's just floundering around the place um but apart from the hamminess and the cheesiness of it which i totally incorporate with the era it was creating mm-hmm. so i'll allow that but um, I just think it lacked a little bit of intensity compared to the source material. Um, but otherwise, it's really fucking cool seeing the genesis of the zombie franchise or genre yeah. in this kind of... Yeah, have to give it that. Yeah, have yeah. to give it that. I do. It didn't have the benefit of the lessons learned. Yeah, because yeah. Romero the, brought it to life, brought the day oh, to life. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And hallowed be thy name. But at the same yeah. time, it's, you Absolutely. know, you have to give credit. You have to give credit. Um, I, I admit when I got done with this, I did a with the book party about a year and a half ago, I did a deep dive or a deeper dive into Matheson. And I realized how much of his Twilight Zone history is there as a writer and screenwriter. And then he did the books for uh, What Dreams May Come and Somewhere mm. in Time where I'm like, dang, the guy who did like hardcore Twilight Zone suspense and freakiness. And then this movie um, still had a soft spot to do like what would end up being Christopher Reeve romancing in hypnotism and Robin Williams, you know, doing paintings and love and heaven and hell. And like, I love Matheson's big ideas and thoughts. Like he, he's a cool writer. Yeah. Like I think if, even if you look at, um, I am legend, there is a bit of a love story there and that, that yeah. kind of need to be loved or whatever in different iterations. It'll take that want humans have to be loved or to be needed. And like you look at what dreams may come and the the, the lens. Uh, mm. I've only seen the movie now. I haven't seen. I've read the book, but the lens Robin Williams' character goes through for his wife. He literally follows her into hell. Doesn't yeah. he? Like, you know what I mean? He does. Just, 
you know, it just so that there's that kind of maybe that kind of running team that he always wanted to examine the lens that humans will go through and their different aspects of relationships and stuff that yeah. that's what I love about when you tell a big story, but in the end of the day, it comes down to these little niche things, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's very clever storytelling, but, um, so Dom, before we let you get the fuck out here in this first episode of purple brain, I guess, um, purple brain. purple brain. So do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? And, um, Noel, I'll jump to you then. Uh, no, I, I just, I, for 1964, for what you can get away with, um, it's 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 got a it's got enough of a harrowing hook to it that keeps you involved um super reliable score and music because it's a it's a other than the voiceover it's a pretty dialogue less movie where paul Sattel and burton schefter are old school italian filmmakers who did nice little music it's got a nice score to it and uh yeah i mean how can you not love vincent price he gets his one laughing cackling moment and it makes the whole movie you know <laughs> but no i it's, it's a good uh I, it's a good entry level thing. Like you could show this movie to preteens and kids just just to get them into horror. Like you can put this on next to those Universal movie monsters from the 30s and 40s as an entry level thing to kind of go, hey, not only are things interesting and cool and freaky, but like, what if you had these implications of bigger themes that could, you know, bring a new person into this kind of those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of themes without scaring the shit out of them with blood a gateway drug, <laughs> a gateway drug for sure. Yeah. How about you know? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's exactly what it is. Do you have, like, if you were talking to somebody about it, you say, look at it for what it is at its time. Yeah. Uh, and again, there was again, that hammy stage thing, which I touched on earlier, which I stand by. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was forward thinking, but again, I don't mean that as a slight, and I mm-hmm. don't know if Vincent Price was the right choice, but I don't know if he was the wrong choice. That's <laughs> yeah, the thing. A memorable That's the choice. Yeah, that's the one that's gonna. That's the one that's gonna cost me some sleep. Um, like Nicholas Cage, was there. <laughs> yeah, Vinny, when you see the Heston one, you'll be like, okay, now we're getting a little too big and too star driven. You, you'll see that one get a little hammy. One of my favorite uh, science fiction movies that I've seen in the past five or ten years is Silent Green. I just thought it was so Ooh, bonkers, yeah. so uh, good. That's where he plays well, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good movie. So, so no, continue. Sorry. I, yeah, sorry. I, I would say that I recommend this movie. I'd recommend anyone that. Uh, we've gone back to the 80s and the 70s and stuff as, as general film fans, but the mm. 50s was this treasure trove, which I don't know is being examined. And especially when you go to something and go, yeah, this might not be the best film ever, but you have no idea what we have now because of it. Exactly. You know, stuff that stuff that's like branched off in ways that even um, a Don Shanahan type who critiques movies really wouldn't be able to spot all of the, the, the branches on the tree. It's a huge, huge, huge root and a lot has sprung from it. And you just have to be grateful to it, I mm. think. And you don't yeah. even have to try. It was a bit hammy. I mean, I enjoy this film. I love this film. Yeah, more than anything else. Uh, Morgan. Morgan. Uh, Morgan. You think you can stop me by destroying my car? (laughs) So I went car shopping. (laughs) It was just great. I wanted to get a convertible, but I thought it would not be practical. (laughs) Now to get one kind of car. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm with you. Yeah. But I'm with you, Noel. Like I, I like going back and finding and like genuflecting at those places where little things got their starts. Like watching a cheesy Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movie, or the old Tyrone yeah. Power Zorro movie, or uh, Errol Flynn play Robin Hood. Like without those mm. screen heroes that are just kind Four of figuring bears. out ha- hammy and cheesy and colorful. But without those guys, you don't get. You don't get Batman. You don't get Superman. You don't get uh, super adventure stories. You get Indiana Jones. Like you don't. Those are the places you have to go back and tip your hat. Yeah, yeah. my my like drug of choice is science fiction movies from the mid sixties to the mid eighties. 
And like I am constantly searching for new science fiction movies from that era, like because like they have such a strange outlook yeah. on the future, and it's just so oh, yeah. fucking awesome to go back and look at how people were looking forward all the way back then. And like that's one thing I like about this movie that like it, it kind of just gave us a glimpse of what people in the 1960s and how they viewed a post-apocalyptic world living in the era that they came from on the back of World War Two. You're talking yeah. about the early stages of the kind of Cold War era, all these kind of things. So it was just it was a, captured a very interesting moment in time and how they would they capture or sorry they would picture a post apocalyptic world and how different it is to us. But even though it was very similar in a lot of ways, the gas like bodies strewn all over the place, just the mundaneness of existence. And like even though it is hammy, like Noel said, and it's cheesy and all these fucking things, that in the end of the day, it's a real forebear for me and it shows you that this is kind of the birthplace of the zombie movie, even though they use the word vampires that mm. it's 100 exactly. a zombie movie without even knowing it was yeah yeah so like that's that's uh, that's all folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right folks uh i'm your host vincent green i'm your host Noel john Tui. and uh that was last man on earth and that was don shanahan and this is invasion of the polystatures and purple brain and that's the longest extra, uh, outro i've ever done see you next time motherfuckers peace <laughs> peach <laughs> Did you say pizza? I you said pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I said. <laughs>